0: liked it. Thank you. Well, good morning, Grace Hills. Good morning. Hey, I appreciate the, the feedback. That's good. Hey, I've had so much fun over the last five weeks that I've been with you, getting to meet most of you. I probably haven't met all of you, and I certainly haven't learned all your names. So keep telling me your name so I can at least clue in and pretend as though I have a memory that will, that will work to remember, to remember your name. But uh, yeah, it's going to the, the small groups, life groups, and then the VBS week, and then just uh, being around. It's been fun to meet you. I've had a lot of fun telling others about you, uh, just family and friends and, and whatnot. But as I thought about that, I was wondering, you know, and thinking, there's probably somebody you have yet to meet that's been here before I've been here. In fact, she's been here nearly two years. Um, I I don't, I don't know, but I I was wondering if you've met if you've met Grace. Have you met Grace? Uh, let me let me show you what I mean. I don't know that you've met Grace. I was pretty excited about this uh, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, when I came in and I discovered that we have Grace, the fish. How many of you knew that we had Grace the fish? Oh, A few hands of you. Well, the rest of you now can say. I know about grace. This is Grace, our fish that lives in the office. She's on loan today from the children's ministry and Etta, her caretaker, her overseer. And uh, Grace is uh, a beta fish, been here for a couple years, is my understanding. Uh, her first name is Grace. See if you can figure this out. Her middle name is Hills, and her last name is Church. So now you're getting the picture of the full name. I'm sure it's written on her birth certificate somewhere. And while I'm excited to talk to you about and have you meet Grace today, and uh, we left the setup so Grace would feel a little bit more comfortable in front of all of you and feel kind of at home, and hopefully this fish won't come alive and uh, pursue pursue Grace. But my real purpose for having her here this morning is because I want to talk to you about Grace. I want to convey to you about Grace. Not a fish. Not a fish. As great as that might be, uh, not uh, a name such as Kindle Grace March, my daughter, uh, or even something that you would say before you eat your your dinner, your supper. Right this morning, I want to talk to you about God's grace. And when I say God's grace, I realize that that is a big topic. It's like looking at the stars in the sky; like which one do you pick? And I recognize that that God's grace is a very broad topic. As I thought about this, grace is defined as unmerited favor. You know that. It's unmerited favor. It's God's goodness directed towards you. We do not deserve the goodness of God's grace, but yet he gives it to us frequently. And of course we know grace is at the center of our salvation, right? Ephesians 2:8, for it is by what? Grace. grace that you've been saved. And the verse continues on talking about the role that faith plays in that. And so while I could give you a message on God's saving grace, or God's forgiving grace, and on and on I could go, uh, today I want us to focus on a different kind of grace, uh, an aspect of God's grace. But before I do, uh, back to Grace here for a moment. Um, in the days that I've come in the office the last five weeks, uh, Grace has always been over sitting on the shelf. And one of the things I've noticed about Grace is, is that she has a pretty good life. Hi, hi, Grace. I see you're coming to me. That's kind of cool. Grace has a pretty good life, There's a few observations I've made. Maybe you've made these, too, about fish at a church office. Uh, She has no shortages. She knows of no shortage of water, no shortage of food. She has no threats, no concerns, no worries whatsoever. We had a conversation the other day. She told me, so that's how I know, right? And, And I know that for Grace, it's pretty set up that, for the most part, She knows of no problems whatsoever to speak of. Now, how many of you would like to have a life like Grace for some days, right? No shortages, no concerns, no threats, no problems. Well, as you know and I know, we are outside of this fishbowl this morning and will continue to be, which is if we think about it, we realize as we live outside of this bowl and into our bigger bowl, if you will, on this planet, we have a lot of problems. In fact, as you live your life in this fallen world, you can expect five problems. I've narrowed it down to just five for you, okay? I know you're thinking, no, there's a lot of problems. No, it's categorically kind of comes into five problems. Let me, let me explain. As you go through your life in this fallen world, you can expect to find trials. You're like, oh, yes, I've had those trials. Trials can be defined as the testing or the, of the authenticity or validity of your faith. It would be the testing of your character to see, is that who you really are? First Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, the fiery ordeal are those trials. He says, don't be surprised that you're going to wake up in a given day and you might have trials. I like to think of trials as kind of a longer-lasting duration of a problem. It it goes on potentially for your whole life. Maybe you've experienced the loss of a loved one. Maybe you've lost a friendship. Maybe you went through divorce. Maybe you've lost a child. Uh, Maybe it's a strained relationship that this continues to be this ongoing trial that you can't seem to get uh, taken care of. As you also go through life in this fallen world, there's another problem. This other problem is called temptation. I'm not speaking of temptation when you're walking down the street by the sees candy store and you go, man, I'm really tempted to get some chocolate. I'm speaking more of temptation that can cause you harm, that could bring uh, difficulty or, or challenges to your life. It's something that entices you to act in a certain way. In fact, as I think about this, I look back to 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. It says, no temptation has seized you accept what's common to man in other words their common problem that we all have is temptation and god is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted not if but when he will also provide a way out so that you can endure under it i think about the 10 commandments as an example for where i struggle with temptation you ever been there i'll just start with commandment number one which is what no other what gods. You know, that's the biggest temptation I face in life, just being transparent here. I don't struggle with some of the other things, although I do from time to time, but the greatest temptation I have is I want to be God. I want to call the shots. I want to be in control, and so when I look at commandments, man, I don't even get past, but just number one, and realize, hey, that's where I'm going to be struggling with temptation. That's a problem, and the temptation is a tool Satan uses to cause us to sin, to turn away from God. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's all three temptations you'll ever face in life, just like these problems. next problem you'll have and you can expect in a fallen world is troubles. Troubles. I think of troubles as defined as difficulties. Maybe they're physical, maybe they're mental, maybe they're emotional. They could be spiritual, they could be relational. I like to think of troubles as a little bit more temporary, uh, than a trial. A trial could be kind of, in my mind, last lasts for a long time, and it typically it's going to be a lot more difficult. For troubles, this might be something that's simple for, for your today. You know, you have trouble in, your, in how the, the fight that you had with your wife. You'll get that resolved, but it's a trouble for today, or, or something with your kids. They want to go someplace, you're like, man, I don't know if I want to do that. A little bit of trouble there. And when I look at Scripture, Jesus said this, in this world you will have trouble, surprise. No, it's not a surprise. It's truth. It's the reality of life, right? But take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is sharing that for us. Another problem you can expect to find in this fallen world is persecution. Now, that's something for us in America we don't experience too much of, but perhaps maybe in your workplace or somebody that you work with or your boss kind of It kind of is antagonistic towards you about your walk with Jesus, about you believing in God, and the Bible is true, and Jesus is the only way. Persecution is the act of someone seeking to oppress or harass another person. Sometimes it's racial. Sometimes it's political. And obviously, at times it can be, as Timothy confirms, persecution can be something that comes about because you're living for Jesus. Look at 2 Timothy 3.12 on the screen. It says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Yay. <laughs> I want to live for Jesus. You know, when I received Jesus as a little kid, they, they didn't tell me, and guess what? You're going to get to be persecuted for us too, right? But that's what he, we're seeing here. And Paul tells Timothy and say, hey, if you want to live for Jesus, At some point in time, to some degree, you're going to be persecuted. And those of us outside the United States who would go out there and we would see that, if we were on a mission trip, we might see that a little bit. Maybe you've traveled to places that are not friendly to Christianity. And so that's something that's ongoing and and happens. It's a problem we have in this fallen world. So trials, temptation, uh, troubles, persecution, and another problem I would say you're going to have from time to time is Suffering. Suffering. Suffering is to undergo or be subjected to or to endure pain or distress or injury. It can even lead an end in death. Look at Psalm 34, 19. Some encouragement, though, about suffering. Maybe your Bible has affliction. Many are the afflictions or sufferings of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Isn't that interesting? Many are the afflictions or the suffering of what? The unrighteous, that's what I expected. But this says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Those that are trying to live with Jesus, oh, that connects back to sometimes persecution, right? But the Lord what? Delivers. He is faithful to deliver him out of them all. So whatever the suffering might be, you might have had an accident at some point, And you suffered for a period of time from that. I, I know what that's like. Maybe you, you've endured something else that's difficult and, 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 di- and just beyond what we can understand. Like for me, I don't understand what post-traumatic stress disorder is. But somebody who served in our country and defended our freedom in Iraq or Afghanistan would understand what that is, suffering from that. or Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Well, the truth is all of us here can think of or relate to how we've had these five problems encounter into our lives. Maybe you're dealing with that today. And that's a challenge for you. And so if these are the problems we can expect, and yes, you are welcome for me reminding of you of them today. How does God's grace relate to them? What does this mean? Where is this? Well, there's good news for you, the believer. This is where you're going, thank you. I'm glad that there is something that is good news. The good news that i want to share with you this morning, the grace I want to focus on is God's sustaining grace. God's sustaining grace. Grace, And as we focus and learn about God's sustaining grace, there's a key verse I want you to see. It actually happens at the text we're going to be looking at, the book of First Peter we're going to be looking at this morning. This is at the end. 1 Peter 5.12 says this, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. 1 Peter 5.12. You know what the theme of 1 Peter is? Persevering through pain persevering through pain. And so this whole book, all five chapters of it, engages his listeners about the suffering, the persecution, the pain that they are doing and how to get through that. It's an appropriate book for us to turn to. And when Peter says, testifying that this is the true grace of God, what he's speaking of there is God's sustaining grace, the grace that God gives you to sustain and get through what you're going through. That pain, those five problems we talked about. I'd like also how the New Living Translation puts it. Look up here on the screen. It says, My purpose in writing is to encourage you and to assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Then there's a command stand firm in this grace, stand firm in this sustaining grace. You're going to need to, you're going to have to, to endure. What the hardship is that you face. In other words, if you're wondering how to get through all the problems you face in life, Peter says what? Stand firm in God's sustaining grace. And if you're here and you're dealing with pain in your life, I am so thankful that you are here because I believe God has a message for you this morning from His Word to encourage you and help you through what you're dealing with. So here's what I want to do. And the time I have left with you is this I want to ask ask three questions to give you three answers. One, what is God's sustaining grace? How do we define it? What is it? What's needed to have it or to experience it? And then how do I know what that's really like? How will I know it when those problems come into play? When the trials and the temptations and the troubles and even that element that might come in persecution or the suffering that you endure or see somebody else do? what you What can you do? So let's define The answer to the first question, what is God's sustaining grace? God's sustaining grace is the power God gives me to keep on going when I feel like giving up. It's the power that God gives me to keep on going when I feel like, man, I just want to give up. It's the power to do the right thing when you don't feel like doing the right thing. That's God's sustaining grace. No matter what you're facing today, what what you went through last week, what you're looking ahead at this coming week, I want to submit to you, hear me, that God's sustaining grace is going to be there for you each step of the way. It's a promise. And Peter says in that passage we just looked at, 1 Peter 5, 12, stand firm in that stand firm in that. Don't let go of that. Embrace God-sustaining grace. From my own experience, and you could think about your own experience too, I didn't understand what God-sustaining grace was when my mom died when I was in third grade, but as I look back on it, I know that's in part what got me through it. When my dad died when I was in junior high, Oh, this thing called God's sustaining grace comes back again. And I can look back on my life and go, oh, it, it sustained me through that loss. You know, I've always heard about people being unemployed and seen that. I'd never experienced that in my life until about six months ago. And I didn't have a job. And I didn't know what God was going to do or how God was going to provide. Oh, now I look back on. I go, oh wow! I learned God's sustaining grace in a whole new way. You see, there's a good thing about problems. <laughs> if you're looking and knowing Jesus, you're going to discover. Oh, in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that temptation, in the midst of the troubles that the day has got for me, God's sustaining grace is going to show up. And it's in those valleys of our lives that we go. Oh, there it is. I know. See what this is like. This is what's going on. So no matter what's coming on to you and what you're going to face, just know that God's sustaining grace is there for you. And so Peter tells the recipients of this first letter, at the end, as he writes this, to stand firm in God's grace. Friends, God's word is applicable to today. Amen? I would have liked a little bit more belief in that, but I'll let that go. I can't choose some grace. Ha, ha, ha. The reality is is that this letter applies to us, applies to you. Whatever you're dealing with today, it's here for us. God loves us and has given given us his word. So we've answered the question, what is it? Now let's ask, how can we experience it? What's going to be needed? Well, to experience God's sustaining grace, I will need faith. I will need to trust God with all my heart. Sound familiar of a certain proverb, I will need to trust God. You will need to do that. Not yourself, not a substance that you might turn to to numb the pain. Not something else outside of what God has for you. But you're going to need faith to give you the power you need to keep on going when you feel like giving up. If I'm not mistaken, there's a verse in Scripture. It's found in the book of Hebrews. Who knew who wrote that, but we'll figure that out in heaven. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says what? It's impossible to please God without what? Faith. So it's impossible not only to please Him, but it's impossible to experience God's sustaining grace without what? Faith. So you're going to need faith. You're going to need to trust in God. And so to help us understand what this looks like, to help us understand what is involved in placing our faith in God's sustaining grace that empowers you to keep on going when you feel like giving up, to do the right thing when you don't feel like doing the right thing, Peter has a message for you. I want you to turn in your Bible to 1 Peter, if you're not there yet, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you're trying to find 1 Peter, I say go all the way to Revelation and work your way back. There's Jude, there's 3rd, 2nd, 3rd John. 1 John, I think. Did I say that right? Yeah, and then 2nd and 1st Peter. There you are. You're there. All right. Remember what we said the theme of this book is? Persevering through what? Pain. Persevering through those problems that you might encounter. So let's look at this text for a few moments and try and learn what's going on here. This is Peter's message to the believers enduring. Hardship. Look at verses one and two. It says Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. So as we look at verse 1, Peter declares himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ, identifying who he is. Why is this important? The importance is not only do we respect that this is Peter speaking, but he comes on the authority of Jesus Christ. This isn't just his own words that he made up sitting by the, a rock one day, because that's his name, right? He, he, he is coming here with the authority of the Word of God from the mouth of God as he is inspired to write this. And so we need to keep that in mind. Where are these believers? Well, it says that they're scattered all over modern-day Turkey. If you look up on the screen, there's a map here. And I have my handy little, uh, little uh, device here. So it says Pontius, so that's up here in this area. And then I believe it's Galatia right here in the middle, then Cappadocia, Bithynia, and Asia. So those are your areas right here. And Jerusalem is right down on here, Mediterranean Sea. So just kind of have a perspective of where they are scattered out from. The church started where? In Jerusalem. And now because of persecution, they've scattered. It's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? Because you and I know Jesus today because the gospel went out. Again, there's some good things even in the midst of problems, aren't there? So they're scattered about. It says in Scripture here in verse 1 that they are aliens. They are aliens there, apart from maybe their home term, the hometown, the place where they grew up in. And they're also aliens because this planet is not their home. This planet is not our home. Where's ultimately home? It's heaven. So we're going to feel like this just doesn't feel right. And as we journey through this life with our problems, it's important for us to remind ourselves and learn about, oh, God, it's a straining grace, the power to get me through, the, through those times when I feel like giving up. And I'm going to need faith for that. And as I thought about this, why are they scattered? Well, five problems, especially what? Suffering and persecution. Persecution and suffering, that's a normal day for them. You know, as I look through and did a, just kind of a word study through the book of 1 Peter, I counted up 18 times the word suffering or affliction is in this book. I would say that's quite a few times that that's mentioned, right? Like maybe he's trying to focus on something that relates to them. Notice what he says here as, I, as we look back at verse 2, the end of it. He says, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Now, as I look at this, I'm sitting there thinking, Peter, how can you say this? How can you say, hey, grace, oh, and by the way, peace, <laughs> be yours in the midst of people trying to kill you because of your faith. Oh, and have that to what? The fullest measure. I, 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 in my mind, as I look through this and study a little background on what they're going through, Uh, They're suffering. The believers here are being persecuted. They're even being put to death. And this is right before Nero shows up on the scene and even brings about more persecution to those that are looking to follow Jesus. So these guys know of no grace in the Roman Empire. They know of no peace in the areas that they are located in. They don't have much they have a little bit more of a problem than than grace does because they're out in the world. This is where life is happening for them. So how can Peter say, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure? It's because of God's sustaining grace. It's because of God's sustaining grace. If you've lost a loved one, if you've endured an incredible loss of somebody that you knew and loved, then you're going to know what that sustaining grace is like in a whole way that the rest of us can't comprehend. During the week of VBS, I talked to Brian Borah a little bit about his journey and losing his spouse and read the article he emailed to me that was written in the Orange County Register. I talked a little bit Uh, to Johnny as well and just the journey they've been on. They understand that. You have your own journey that you're on, your own problems that you've dealt with, the own trials that you're facing, the own troubles that you are dealing with today. And so Peter, I want to submit to you, knows what this is about too because we might go, well, okay, that's going on with him. What about you, Peter? Well, let me submit to you. He was not down when he wrote this, as convenient and as nice as it would have been from what I've seen I want to submit to you, he was not down Moulton Parkway and Dana Point at the Ritz-Carlton, okay? What Peter is experiencing himself is pain, is suffering, is persecution. So he writes from his own world that he's living in with that, just like they are. So what he can say to them could be maybe understandable then for them when they hear him speak because he's going through the same stuff that they are and so what we have here as we look through this he he's looking at this with his recognition understanding that these believers reality in mind here's what's going on for them and now peter what he's going to do is we're going to look here at the rest of these verses he writes in celebration of who they are in christ and the role faith plays in this journey that they're on look now at verses 3 to 9 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith For his salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him... You love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. You imagine getting this letter, and you're wondering if you're going to make it through the day? And then Peter writes this, and they see this as this letter is spread around to these five areas. And they realize that, hey, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. And he goes on, and he tells them about their identity in Christ. So in verses 3 to 5, he highlights that. And then in verses 6 to 9, he talks about the role faith plays in walking with Jesus, in going through what they're going through. So we've answered the question, what is God's sustaining grace? God's sustaining grace is the power God gives you to get... On and keep going on, even though I feel like giving up. What's required of you to experience God's sustaining grace? What is it? Faith. Faith. He dedicates several verses to that. So now let's answer the final question, how? How can I know it? How can I know this firsthand in a whole new way? Because unless your grace here are fish, you probably have some shortages in your life. Unless your grace, this fish, you might have some concerns and some threats and some worries and some problems that's going on for you and that you're dealing with. So let's look at see how do we get through this since we don't live in this fishbowl. Well, there's five ways I want to share with you as you trust in the power of God's restraining grace, how you can endure each hardship you experience. Here's the first one. As you trust in the power of God's sustaining grace, I can endure each hardship I experience by remembering who I am in Christ. Remembering who I am in Christ. Because at times we can forget this verse 1 speaks of us being chosen or elected in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a trouble. You can think, oh, that's right, I'm, I'm I'm a believer. Or that I have been born again that I have an inheritance waiting for me. And in the midst of where I'm feeling unprotected, that inheritance is protected. That's what he's bringing out to them here, remembering who you are in Christ. You know, I did a little bit of research, and what I found was for, for, for uh, Grace, Now I think she's a smarter fish than what statistics say, but what they say about fish is they have a memory of three seconds now, there are certain things in life I like, I only wish I could remember that for three seconds. That F I got on the test, where I just, I never remember that again, right? But newer research states that they can actually remember things for up to five months. So somewhere in the middle of that is there. Every time I've come up to Grace, she comes up to me and says, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? You know, she's interested in what's going on. And I'm thinking, you remember me. That touches my heart, Right? You're knowing me. You've got a five-month memory. And if I keep showing up every day, then I don't think she'll forget me, which is a good thing. I think. I think. Well, unlike this fish, sometimes it takes only us three seconds or five months. And if it, it's gone, and we forget who we are because that pain is so great. That trial is so devastating. The suffering you've seen somebody go through, and they're going, where's God in this? I forget who I am in Jesus. Have you been there? Peter knew that could happen then, he knows it can happen today and so he's saying, "Hey, as you endure the hardships, remember who you are in Christ." That's the power of grace. Here's a second way. As you trust in the power of God's sustaining grace, you can endure each hardship experience by recognizing, "I'm not alone." I am not alone in this journey, in this fight, in this struggle. Perhaps you've had one of those trials or temptations or troubles, and you're like, man, I'm the only one dealing with this. I'm the only one who's experiencing this. And then you think, well, why is it just me, God? And I think, man, you know, feelings can go, can be pretty powerful, can't they? Well, notice back in verse 1, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout where? Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So when they get this letter in their hands, they're like, oh, it's not just us in Galatia. There's people in Bithynia that are going through the same thing and all these other areas. Hey, we're not alone. Sometimes it feels like it, though. Sometimes it feels like I'm the only one. I want to submit to you, Grace Souls Church, you're not alone either. There's other churches, other believers around the world that are going through what you're going through. And I want to encourage you through God's sustaining grace that you can endure each hardship you experience by recognizing, I am not alone in this. They weren't alone back in 63, 62, 63, when this letter was written, and we're not alone today because God's sustaining grace is always going to be there. And as you trust in that sustaining grace, you can endure even more hardship as you, experience, as you experience and rely on your resources. Now, what do I mean by relying on my resources? Well, there's three, prayer, scripture, and guess what? Your life group prayer i looked back at verse 8 it says though you do not see him now but believe in him that's speaking of hey i have a relationship with god i don't see him i've never seen god show up right in front of me when i'm praying maybe he was there but my eyes are closed and i didn't see him but you get the idea right but we believe that he's there we base that upon the truth of scripture and as i go to prayer it's one of those things where i think about sometimes like how do i deal with this i need to go higher on the resource of prayer I'm told that there's a boat down in the Dana Point Harbor, and the boat is titled Letting Go. Sometimes we need to go to God in prayer and say, God, I need to let go of this trial and me trying to fix it, or whatever the problem might be, and let God sustain you with his grace and empower you to get through that. Because relying on your resources, such as prayer, can help you with that. Scripture. You know, I thought about this. How many books do we have in the Bible? Sixty-six. We have a whole book dedicated to suffering through pain, how to get through, persevering through pain. I would encourage you to read this letter. When you're enduring the troubles and trials and whatever you're facing the given day, go to 1 Peter, and then there's your life group. You know what was going on at the time of the writing of this letter? Where were churches meeting? In homes, just like Grace Hill's church life groups. I know there's some here because we're blessed with building. You know, it was 300 AD before we actually have history of an actual church building. So for 300 years, the churches meet in homes. The commute had to be pretty easy to get to your house, right? Get to the living room to get to church. So Peter brings this to them. He brings it to us today to rely on the resources of prayer, scripture, and life groups. You can endure hardship that you're experiencing by rejoicing and perseverance. The fourth way, to trust in the power of God's sustaining grace. Rejoicing and perseverance. There is no doubt in Peter's mind when he writes this that these believers are going to persevere through their pain. That's the theme of the letter. He believes they're going to persevere through pain. And as you look at this in verses 6 to 9, he says, in this great relationship, even though now for a little while, if necessary, You've been distressed by a bunch of problems. So that the proof, here's what's going on, the faith being more precious than gold, right, which is perishable, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and revelation of Jesus Christ. And it goes on to talk about how this journey continues and yet there's persevering, there's rejoicing in the fact of how God is working and how God is bringing us through this. I would say that Peter was here today, his message would be the same to you and to me because that's the power of grace. The last way that you can sustain and experience the power of God's sustaining grace is you endure each hardship experience by resting in the promises of God. Resting in the promises of God. Did you catch the promises in verses 4 and 5? Look back in your Bible again at them. I see the word inheritance. That's a promise. I see that it's reserved That's a promise. I see that it's protected. That's a promise. I see that it'll be revealed when I go to stand before God. That's a promise. As my son Emerson would say, Dad, that's epic to think about these promises that we have. In fact, did you know if you were to go through those 66 books in your Bible, there are 7,000 promises. 7,000 promises. If you only sleep four or five hours a night, if you're that kind of person, you can have a promise to dwell on and meditate on each hour that you're waking, 19 to 20 of them per day. And you can go through the whole year like that of all the promises that are found in the Word of God. You know, I began this morning the way I begin most mornings. I grab my iPhone, I touch to open it, and I go to my Bible promises. I don't get out of bed. I'm on my back and looking up to this phone and going, oh, what's today's promise? And then at nine o'clock, I don't know how this happened with the app. They're just kind of this way. There's an alarm that goes off at 9 p.m. And it shows up now on my home screen on my phone. And my kids are like, dad, there's the Bible promise again. Like, thanks for the reminder. I don't know about you, but I cannot get through my life And experience and know God's sustaining grace without God's promises. Maybe you're not in the app form. I would encourage you, if you don't have a book of Bible promises, to go to the Christian bookstore and get one. You need them. You need them. And if you don't need them, you can share it with somebody else who does. Peter knew that. So there are your ways, through the power of God's sustaining grace, how you can endure each hardship you experience. Let me leave you with a final thought, a final question, if you will, something to think about for a moment. Do you know grace? I'm not speaking of this grace, although you just met her a few moments ago. But do you know God's saving grace? Let's start there. Have you ever made that decision to receive Jesus Christ? It says, by grace you've been saved through faith. Have you done that? If you haven't, I'd love to talk to you about that. But maybe you're here this morning, you're going, man, the grace I'm enduring that I need, is more of the sustaining grace. Maybe you're going through one of those problems we talked about. Maybe you need some eyes to be your guide. You need the eyes of God to be your guide. Maybe you need a voice that's louder than mine. Maybe you need hope today. And you say, God, I need you. And you recognize, I cannot do this alone. And so you're ready to say, Grace, I call your name. Oh, won't your smile fall fresh on me? I'm cracked and I'm dry. I'm on my knees, God. I need your grace. Won't that fall over me? And if you're looking for that, I want to submit to you, based on the authority of Scripture and what we looked at today, God's sustaining grace is saying, hey, here it is want you to have it father we stop and we thank you for the hope we have in you for this sustaining grace that you speak of lord in your word that god we can get through what we're dealing with in life as hard as it might be as difficult as it might be that god you give us your sustaining grace if you're here this morning and you're going hey Bill, would you just pray for me And no one else looking around would you just lift up your hand by just saying, hey, would you just pray for me? I'm experiencing a problem. Thanks. Anybody else? Thank you. Lord, I just want to pray for these that raise their hands and just saying, Lord, we need your sustaining grace. Oh, God, would you show up to them in a whole new way and empower them to get through the hardship they're facing? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.